We're going to continue now in our time of worship by opening up the Word of God. And today we're continuing in our series in the book of Daniel, and we'll be in chapter 3 today. Daniel chapter 3, beginning at verse 14. You can follow along in your Bibles and hear God's Word read aloud. Today's going to be a longer passage and familiar to some and new to others. But since it's a longer passage, I'm going to read it in English, but you can read in the language of your choice in Spanish at home. But let's read together now from Daniel chapter 3, beginning at verse 14. Let's hear with open ears and open hearts from the Word of God. Daniel 3, beginning at verse 14. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up. Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace." Then what God will be able to rescue, you, to rescue you from my mighty hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you on this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know. We want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, Certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies. Nor was a hair of their heads singed. 
Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. O God of life, you are the source of life and the giver of life. We pray this morning, O God, that you would meet us in this place and that you would deliver us just like you did your servants. Deliver us, God, from this time of disorientation, of restlessness, of anxiety, of what can feel like a fiery furnace, God. Of what can feel like everything just closing in on us. Save us, God, as you saved your servants. Give us your peace and fill us with your Holy Spirit, we pray. Fill us with your spirit of wisdom, your spirit of courage, your spirit of peace. Lift us, God, from our despairs. Lift us, God, from our loneliness. And help us, God, to claim a new life. A new life in Jesus Christ. A new life made available to us here and now. It's in the faithful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Today we're actually continuing our series on the book of Daniel. It's a series that we're calling Unfamiliar, God, Unfamiliar Ground. And together as a community, we're actually learning how to trust God even when everything around us seems to be so strange and so unfamiliar and so uncertain. We've been learning about this concept in the Bible that comes up throughout the book of Daniel and that is the setting of the entire book of Daniel, which is this concept of exile. Currently, we find ourselves, just as the Israelites did then, in a season of exile. Exile is leaving what is familiar and going into a foreign place. Exile is entering into a strange new land or a strange season such as this. Exile is being in unfamiliar territory or in uncharted ground. This is what the Bible calls exile. This is what Daniel and his friends were experiencing in this passage that we just read this morning. Exile is both disorienting and it's also being in the unknown. Today, we're actually going to be reflecting and focusing on the story of that's one of the most um, well-known and popular stories in the Bible and it's found in the book of Daniel. It's the story of Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Three friends, three servants of God who actually refused to bow down. They refused to worship a huge idol statue of King Nebuchadnezzar. The friends here, these servants of God, they were loyal to their God. And they were persecuted and then thrown into the fiery furnace because they refused to bow down. God delivers them. God delivers them from death and they are exalted and they are saved. Then later, King Nebuchadnezzar now acknowledges that their God, the God of the Israelites, is the one true God. Daniel's three friends, they actually are serving in the king's court. They serve as officials in the court of Nebuchadnezzar. 
and they are loyal and compliant up until a certain point. There is a certain line that they will not cross. They refuse to obey the command to worship the statue, to worship the golden image of King Nebuchadnezzar. They then get a death sentence because they refuse to bow down. And then within that fiery furnace, they are rescued by their God, the God of the Israelites, the one true God, the creator of heaven and earth, the God who is able to bring down the proud, the God who is able to raise up the humble. We see the power of God at work through these humble servants of God, through Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We see the kingdom of God really entering into and, 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 and having a victory here. This is how victory occurs in the kingdom of God. Victory came through them laying down their lives. That's a display of the power of God at work. Through them laying down their lives, victory came. And then we see the opposite in this story as well. We see a sign of the power and the strength of God at work through humble servants laying down their lives. And then we also see a display in this story of the weakness and the insecurity of a man of a human king who portrayed himself in his own eyes. He wanted to lift himself up. This is also an example to us of our state as humanity, as a fallen humanity, of who we are portrayed in this story, our own desires to lift ourselves up, to put ourselves up over other people through pride and arrogance. What we see here in this story is that God humbles the proud. And the bigger they are, the harder they fall. And that was certainly the case with King Nebuchadnezzar. Who exactly was King Nebuchadnezzar? Just to give us a little bit of background on this. Nebuchadnezzar was uh, the king who created a golden statue of himself for all everyone in the kingdom of Babylon to bow down and worship. Nebuchadnezzar was filled with extreme pride, with an extreme pride, with this attitude that brings us to the place that we're reading about in this scripture. King Nebuchadnezzar insists that the whole of Babylon, everyone, every man, woman, and child, that they bow down and worship the image that he has made. The servants of God here, they're left with attention. They're left with the decision either to worship the image that King Nebuchadnezzar has made or to worship the living God. As God's people, we can take the example of the servants of God here of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we remember that as the people of God, we bow down before the living God. And because we bow down before the living God, that means that we will refuse to bow down before any human being or any created thing. Here in this passage, we're reminded that as God's people, because we bow down before God, that means that we stand up straight before anyone else or anything else. 
That means that we practice real humility. And to be clear, humility is not humiliation. You and I are created in the image of God. We're created with dignity. We are not meant to bow down before any other person or to be humiliated by any other person. But true, true humility is walking in honesty. Walking in the honesty that God is the creator and that we are created in his image. We have identity. We have purpose in him. That means that we will not worship any image, including the image here in this story of a golden statue. The servants of God, they remind us of that. They take a stand. They say, we will not worship the image you have made. They said this because they knew that they were created in the image of God. We are created in the image of God. We are imago. We have our identity in the image of God and our purpose in the image of Christ. We will not bow down before an image created by a man, by a woman, or any human being, or anything else in creation. We only bow down to the Creator. In the story, we see when the servants of God, they refuse to bow down and give in to the pressure that was around them. And when they refused to give in to the pressure, there were then consequences. There were threats of violence upon these three young men. I love how the Bible is not afraid to go into any topic. The Bible will talk about every single human issue, including violence. The Bible addresses violence in this passage and in other passages as well. And what we see here is that the root of all sin and violence is actually pride. And in Nebuchadnezzar's uh, situation, extreme pride will lead to self-destruction and extreme pride will lead to acts of extreme violence. We see that here and this, this uh, extreme pride is also called hubris. That's what Nebuchadnezzar had. This extreme form of pride that led to extreme forms of violence, violence toward others. And here's the truth. When a person tries to convince themselves that they are superhuman, they will begin to think of others as less than human. Nebuchadnezzar was a madman. He was filled with extreme pride and he delighted in extreme violence. You know, when I was in graduate school, I got to take a course with uh, an expert on Babylonian history. And he explained to me a little bit of who King Nebuchadnezzar was. He was a person that delighted in uh, victory and all kinds of, uh, of battles and, and all of that. But for Nebuchadnezzar, just to give you a sense of who this was, who these servants of God were dealing with here. Nebuchadnezzar was never simply delighted with defeating his enemies or killing his enemies. Nebuchadnezzar delighted in extreme violence, in torturing his enemies, in seeing them die slowly, in burning them alive, and even in skinning his enemies alive and watching them die. He found delight in that. 
in throwing his enemies to the furnace and just find a delight in seeing them die slowly in front of him. This was who the servants of God were dealing with. And this was his plan in this passage as well. He wanted to throw his enemies into the fire and watch them die and delight in that. But boy, was he in for a surprise. A big surprise that he would never have imagined. We see here in verse 16, as the passage continues, it says this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Verse 18. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Friends, brothers, sisters, let's remember here, family, that we do not need to defend ourselves because we have a defender. We do not need to just posture ourselves in this defensiveness and trying to keep people out or in and carry ourselves with this constant defensiveness. We do not need to defend ourselves because we have a defender, a great defender who is for us, who is with us, who has the victory. I love how we're reminded of this even in the Psalms. In Psalm 37, verse 25, it says, I have been young and I have been old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken. When we abide in Christ, we will not be forsaken. This season and this passage that we're reading, it actually invites us to take a step deeper, to take a step deeper into real faith. We see here in the attitude and in the words of these three friends of the servants of God that the mark of real faith is upon them. They are trusting in God no matter what. They are trusting in God even if He doesn't. Even if He doesn't do things their way. This is the kind of faith that we are being invited to this morning. A faith that invites us to stop arguing, stop fighting, stop debating, and instead start trusting. Start trusting, start abiding, because surrender to God frees us from the fear of man. Surrender to God frees us from the fear of circumstances that are out of our control. Surrender brings freedom. As God's people, we are created to be free. As God's people, we are created to be free of bondage, free of bowing down to idols, free of bowing down to others. But when we bow down to God, surrender makes us free. And free is who we were created to be. As God's people, we will worship 
That's part of the strength and the freedom we have in serving Him. We will worship, we will trust, and we will never, ever bow down to fear or to any other lesser God or any other idol. We trust in our Lord God. We trust in the one who is able, even if he does not do things our way. Even if he does not deliver us in the way that we want him to deliver us, or in a way that is is aligned with our plan on how he should deliver us, we will continue to trust him. We will continue to trust our living God because of who he is. And he is good. He is faithful. He is trustworthy always and forever. That's who we worship. That's who we bow down to. Not an idea, not a thought, but we trust in a living God who meets us here and now. A living God that is our defender. A living God that frees us from fear. A living God that invites us into deeper faith. We see here in the servants of God and these three friends that there was no doubt in their minds that God's power could save them. They trusted and they placed their weight down in who God is. Not just in what they wanted God to do for them, but in who God is. That's the next step of deeper faith in this season for us. Friends, brothers, sisters, may we trust in who God is and not just in what we want God to do for us, but in who he is. Because he is faithful, and he is good, and he is able. The passage continues here in verse 19. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. Nebuchadnezzar, obviously, was not happy with their decision so he ordered to throw them in the furnace again nebuchadnezzar's attitude here is an attitude of extreme pride and extreme pride creates the pathway to sin and extreme pride and sin create the pathway to violence here we see a showdown between the kingdom of god and the kingdom of man And this is not the first time we see throughout the scriptures that empires have come and gone, yet the kingdom of God remains. In the Old Testament alone, we see the Egyptian empire, the Babylonian empire, and then in the New Testament, it's in the context of the Roman empire and onward. All of these empires came and went, but the kingdom of God remains. I think of an author by the name of Charles Coulson. He wrote a book called The Faith. Highly recommend it to everyone. But Charles Coulson was a, a person who, who actually was humbled from his former pride. He actually used to work in the White House, in the president's office, in the 1960s and 70s. And then he was arrested for the Watergate scandal. And he spent several years in prison. And while he was in prison, he came to the Lord and his life was transformed. 
and he began a ministry actually called Prison Fellowship Ministries. And then afterwards, after he got out, um, after many years in prison, he actually dedicated his life to now speaking to leaders around the world and to share with them some of the lessons he learned from the prideful mistakes he had made while, as, while a, being a leader. And he gave them new perspective. And in one of his talks, he actually was speaking to some of the top national leaders here in our country, in the U.S., and he was speaking on Capitol Hill over in Washington, D.C., on what's called the, the mall in Washington, D.C., where you can see all the main buildings. You can see the Capitol building and then the Treasury building and then the White House. And Charles Colson had all of the top leaders of the country look around to those buildings and to the site in front of them. And he reminded them and said, all of this shall pass. But the kingdom of God and the word of God shall remain. A history teacher of mine actually reminded me of, of this point once. That the power of God at work throughout history. The power of God has been at work through the unlikely. Because God leverages weakness for power. We see examples of this over and over again in the scriptures Pharaoh challenged the God of the Israelites and he was defeated by slaves in Exodus. Goliath was a Philistine giant who was destroyed by the hands of David, a young shepherd. Nebuchadnezzar here in this passage, who was so full of extreme pride and built a golden statue of himself, he was humbled by three young people who were faithful to their God and refused to bow down to him. And then in the New Testament, we see, we, we see um, the context in which it was. And the emperor of the Roman Empire was actually Caesar. Caesar was someone who delighted in power and in death daily in the Roman Colosseums. I've been there personally. I've seen what it's like. He was the one who called himself Lord. That was actually a common phrase in the Roman Empire when you were greeting someone to simply say, Caesar is Lord. But this person, this one who was an emperor who had the power with his thumbs up or his thumbs down. He held the lives of so many in his hands. This once great Caesar. I love the way that this history teacher once put it. To understand how the kingdom of God overcame the Roman Empire. He, he put it this way very poetically. He said, this once great Caesar challenged the Lord God in a match to the death. And Caesar was defeated by a humble carpenter from Nazareth. Caesar is long gone, but Jesus is Lord. Our God, the God of the ages, he humbles the proud. The God that we worship, he defeats the proud through what seems like weakness and powerlessness. That's the power of God at work. When we are weak, He is strong. Friends, brothers, sisters, right now, many of us are confronting some of our weaknesses. 
many of us seem to not know what to do with this vulnerability that's right in front of us. But remember that He, our God, will leverage that weakness for strength. Stop trying to run away from weakness. Instead, learn from weakness, name weakness, and embrace weakness, and then give it to God. Give it to God and see what He does. He will turn that apparent weakness into strength, into a strength beyond what you could think of or imagine. We're reminded of this in the book of 2 Corinthians from the Apostle Paul. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 to 11, we're reminded of this. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then... I am strong. God will leverage all of our weaknesses for power and strength for his glory. The passage here continues with the order of King Nebuchadnezzar. He orders that they're thrown into the blazing furnace. And we see that it was not by their strength that they withstood, but by the strength of their God. Right now, you and I can't imagine what we can go through. You can't imagine what you can go through with God's power because it is so much beyond your own power. He will carry you through. He will give you the grace and the strength and the endurance and the power and the ability to get through this. As a church community, with Christ at the center, and community around us, we are not going to just get over this and forget about it and just kind of, you know, act like it doesn't exist. But together, with God's power, we are going to get through this season. He will take us through. He will leverage all weakness, all vulnerability, for his strength and for his power. By his grace and by his power, we shall endure. So let's keep going. Don't stop. One foot in front of the other, trusting God. The passage continues here in uh, verse 24. It says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, Certainly, your majesty. He said, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods, like a son of God. Here's where we see that famous line that we've sung before here at Imago Church many times. From that song, Another in the Fire, standing next to me. There was another in the fire, standing right next to me. It's from this passage that that song is actually inspired. 
There's another in the fire standing next to you. He is with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. He will be your strength and he will be your shield in the furnace that you may be experiencing right now or in this season. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were joined in the fire by a fourth individual. A fourth individual who had the appearance of a divine being like a son of God. This event here is actually what has been called by various biblical scholars and theologians. This event is actually referred to as, and we're going to learn a new word here today, but it's a big word. This event here is actually referred to as a Christophany. You say that right at home? Christophany. A Christophany is actually a physical appearance of Jesus Christ before his incarnation here on earth. We witness here a Christophany, God being present with his people during times of trouble. This can also be an angel of the Lord, which was also another way that God comforted his people throughout the scriptures and in the Old Testament. An angel simply means a messenger of the Lord. So what we see here with the fourth individual in the fire is actually a physical demonstration of God's presence with believers in their times of trouble and in their times of distress. The Lord promised his presence with his people, ensuring that we are never alone. He is with us, especially in those times of trial, especially in those times of trouble, in those furnaces that we find ourselves in. So let's think about that that promise of God that he is always with us in times of trouble. What if that last time that you were able to get out of a situation, for some it could have been a life or death situation, for others uh, another kind of situation. But what if that last time, what if it wasn't just a coincidence? What if that nick of time moment is actually a Christophany? The presence of God with his people during times of trouble. And I know that there are so many stories of Christophanies or witnessing to another one in the fire that is with us, standing next to us. Many, many stories. If we could, I would love to even just pause right now and hear everyone's stories. But how about for you? Think about that. When have you experienced the Lord's presence? especially in times of trouble, especially in times where it seemed like there was no way. If we had time, again, I can share some of the many experiences that I've had, and I hope we have opportunities to do that. But one moment that comes to mind for me was actually years ago, uh, well over 10 years ago now. There was a time where I was actually driving on Highway 152 in Los Banos, It's a curvy road. Some of you have been there, the one that takes you towards San Jose. And while I was on 152, I was involved in an accident, in an accident that involved multiple cars, including a large semi and other uh, cars uh, in front of me and behind me. And really, it was a miracle 
that I actually survived that accident. And I was unharmed. But my car was stalled. My car was actually in the farthest left lane on the freeway. And I'm grateful to God that I, I was okay, but my car was stalled and I needed to get it over to the shoulder because the bumper had come right off. And then out of nowhere, I don't know who it was, but a man came running toward me and he helped me. He helped me push my vehicle across the freeway into the right hand shoulder while the car was on neutral. And after this man helped me, a man I had never met before, I was filling out the police report and I did not see him after that. I choose to believe that was a Christophany. That was God's promised presence with me in a time of trouble. And I know that's not only me. That's happened to many, many people. I know of friends and people that have experienced similar things. I know of folks that I've ministered to talking about this pretty common occurrence that has happened to them. Sometimes when they find themselves in a place or in a situation that they should not be in, and then hearing a voice, either internally or externally, a voice or encountering a person that they don't necessarily know, a person asking them the question, why are you here? Or telling them, go home. I'm sure that we can all share different examples and experiences of God's promised presence. God's promised presence with us in times of trouble. That presence can come through a familiar face or a familiar voice. It can come through someone that we may or may not even recognize. And I think that we can even receive that in this season. You've all been that for each other. You've been examples of God's promised presence with us in times of trouble. You've been that for me, and I'm grateful for you and for this community. In this season of uncertainty, of frustration, and of exile, we have each other. We have these services every single Sunday. We have ways to connect throughout the week. And I'm so grateful for all the team and everyone that's involved in putting together these services every single Sunday without fail. May we receive this once again as an example of God's promised presence with us in times of trouble. In times such as this. He is with us. He is for us, and He will take us through. And my prayer is this, on this journey, as He's taking us through, may we pay attention. May we pay attention to those moments, those moments confirming that God is with us and that He will see us through every step of the way, every moment on the journey. He will be in the fire right there next to us, right there with us. The passage continues in verse 26. 
Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Wow. Just incredible. The three young men, the servants of God, they came out of the furnace unharmed. They came out of the fiery furnace unscathed. Unscathed means without suffering any injury or any harm. Friends, brothers, sisters, we will come out of this season unscathed. Ultimately and essentially, we are secure. The hope we have in Christ is that no matter what, the new heavens and the new earth will be restored and we will have resurrected bodies in his presence. And in his presence, not a hair on our heads will be singed, our clothes still intact and the smell of fire will not be on us. Amen. That's part of the promise, part of the invitation of next level faith, of deeper faith, of stepping toward the living God in this time. Sometimes we can hear these stories and forget that God's people actually went through this then and that God's people, you and I today, we continue to go through this now. Before we close in prayer and worship, we're actually going to check out this brief clip from the Bible docu-series. This was a docu-series that came out back in 2013. Before docu-series were an in thing or a cool thing, the Bible actually had a docu-series almost 10 years ago, back in 2013. And here what we're going to see is an actual reenactment of the story that we've been reflecting on this morning. So let's go ahead and check out this clip and then we'll come back and close out in prayer together. I will not worship that.
all our hearts, we follow you. We Bow your heads! And seek your presence. With all my heart, I follow you. I fear you. I seek your presence. Bring them! Oh, my friends. Your faith will be tested now. Daniel! What's wrong with them? Why will your friends not bow to me? I assure you, sire, they will serve you faithfully. All their lives, as I will, but... But... But they will only worship God. I will make them bow. We seek your presence with all our heart. We seek your presence. When we wish to bend something that is hard and unyielding, what do we do with it? We put it into the fire. Majesty, take him! And we seek your presence! Burn them! Majesty, no! Burn them! What? Bring oil! Come! Come! Fire! Bring me fire! Hear my cry. The cords of death entangle me. The anguish of the grave consumes me. Do not ignore my tears. I'm overcome by sorrow. I call upon the name of the Lord! Lord, save me! My enemies will be doomed. They will turn back in shame. Why do they not burn? Judah, rise! God is with us! He's with us! God is with us! I have to be honest, sometimes I'm moved to tears with that scene. God is with us. 
God is with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. He is for you and he will carry you. And he will see us through this unique time and this unique season. Remember, there's always another one in the fire standing next to you. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you and we give you praise because you are the one who stands us, who stands with us and refuses to ever leave us alone, God. You are our comfort, you are our strength, you are our confidence. So Lord, take us through. Take us through the trial. Take us through the challenge. Take us through the furnace. Whatever furnace we may be experiencing in this time, oh God. And Lord, I just pray that you would be victorious. Leverage our weakness and use it for your strength. Use it for your power. Would you do something, Lord, beyond what we could imagine, beyond what we could think of. And Lord, as we're in exile, would you take us home? As we've said the past few weeks, your presence is our home. We belong to you. And today, Lord, we just trust in you alone. We trust in who you are, Lord, not in just what we want you to do, but in who you are. And today, Lord, we hold on to the confidence and we declare that you, Lord, are the one that is with us, the one that holds us in your hands. And help us, O oh God, by your grace, by your power, help us to never let go of you. To never let go of the hands that will never let go of us. Thank you, Lord. We pray all this in the faithful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.